possibility of parole. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning, three minutes after eight o'clock. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Well, Twitter's earnings beat estimates, but the stock gets slammed 15% in after hours trading. Disney produces very strong earnings and the stock rises. And Alibaba's market cap tops 150 billion, putting it on par with Facebook in total value. Alibaba reported it is not seeking a backdoor listing in Hong Kong. U.S. economic data was mixed, so were earnings. Although on average, profit and revenue are coming in a little bit better than expected. In market action, most of the major indices were flat to slightly lower. Let's get this tease for the program. Absent a market adverse change in the outlook for the economy, I think it's reasonable to expect a progression of similar moves with the asset purchase program completely wound down by the fourth quarter of this year. That is Atlanta Fed President Dennis Lockhart. It's the first time that we've heard that $10 billion per meeting is actually the default position of the Fed. Both he and Philly Fed President Charles Plosser said that there would need to be significantly weaker data for the Fed to change its tapering program in the course that it is on. Also, we hear from Larry Fink, the chief of BlackRock. He says that the recent sell-off in markets should be seen as normal. It's an old-fashioned correction. We went so far. If I asked you and I asked everybody in January of 13, how much would the equity markets rally, we would have been really happy at 10%. And we had the S&P up, what, north of 20, 30%. 30 almost. Yeah, and uh, so we've come a long ways, and we, we just need to recalibrate ourselves. So that's Larry Fink at BlackRock. Our guests this morning are Shuli Ren from Barron's and Richard Harris from Port Shelter Investment Management on the line from the UK. Well, we'll be talking about Twitter's impact, if any, on mainland mobile and internet pl- and internet plays. And also, if emerging markets look too risky these days, what about frontier markets? We'll ask Shuli Ren about fast-growing countries like Vietnam. They have been remarkably stable amid all of the market turmoil of late. Before we get to Twitter's earnings, I put together here a kind of montage of opinions of all this recent market volatility. I would say that short term it looks a little bit overdone, but clearly uh, not all emerging markets have the same kind of prospects going forward. So uh, we have to pay attention about uh, the underlying dynamics of each economy. I think this is a very overdue correction. We haven't had a 5% correction in global equities since last June, which is the longest period we've gone without one since the bull market started in 2009. The market has to keep balancing back and forth as conflicting currents are relevant. And I think The market in 2014 is a lot more likely to reflect what happens in 2014 than whether or not it was up or down in January. The plus side uh, for the market is bull markets don't die from old age. They die from excesses and recession. Uh, There is no recession in the cards in 2014 as best as we can see. 
So we heard from people like Leon Cooperman from Omega Advisors, earlier Larry Fink from BlackRock, Sam Zell, his own firm, and Charles Dollara from the Partners Group. Well, let's take a look at these Twitter earnings. Um, in the first earnings for the company after going public, Twitter actually disappointed investors. Twitter had slower growth in users than expected and a net loss that surprised some. But if you set aside the expectations and the high stock price, the performance was fairly solid. Twitter grew to have 241 million active users in the fourth quarter. That was up 30% from 185 million a year earlier. Revenue was 243 million in the fourth quarter, up from 112 million a year earlier. But usage declined, going from 159 billion views, that's billion, 159 billion views of timelines down to 148 billion. And the net loss was 511 million compared with 8.7 million a year earlier. A lot of this, though, is due to just the very high valuation of the stock. The stock has more than doubled since it debuted back at $26 a share. Uh, it fell in after hours to about $55 from 65 at the New York close. And the high close for the uh, stock was up around 73 in contrast, Facebook said last week that quarterly revenue rose 63% from a year earlier. Net income increased more than eightfold. The results sent Facebook stock soaring. So it'll be interesting to see what the impact will be on some of these Chinese Internet plays out here. Also, uh, companies that whose, whose stock price has gone up so significantly that it may give some people pause for thought. Let's take a look at the broader market on Wall Street. Stocks down for a third time in four days. A private report showed that companies added fewer jobs than forecast. That overshadowed a pickup in service industries. The S&P 500 down 0.2%. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average losing 5 points to 15,440. Let's go back to the Atlanta Fed President Dennis Lockhart. He says the Fed will likely stay the course on tapering. An orderly wind down of asset purchases is contingent, as I suggested, on the economy staying substantially on track. It's hard to discern with absolute precision the track the economy is on. Incoming data are rarely unambiguously positive or negative. The data are always messy. Policymakers are challenged to separate true signal from noise and to decide how much weight to put on the arrival of sometimes disappointing data reports. He says the data, as you heard there, is often messy, a little bit noisy, and therefore difficult to read. We had such a situation with the arrival of the December payroll jobs number. It came in at at a 74,000 jobs net gain. A number closer to 190,000 for that month was expected. My reaction and that of many of my colleagues was to look through the December jobs report and assume that the economy remains on the higher growth track enjoyed in the second half of 2013. 
So there you hear that uh, he chose to more or less disregard that latest uh, U.S. jobs report, the 74,000, which was far short of estimates, and assume that things will get better. So that may be one of the reasons why the market is selling off, because you see the Fed continuing to want to taper at a time when the data has been a little messy. Well, we say good morning now to our first guest for the program, and that is Peter Harris from Port Shelter Investment Management, the chief executive there. Richard, good morning. Yes. uh, So the messy data continues. Um, We had a good services industries report. So manufacturing, not so good. Services, good. Um, The jobs, not bad on the private side, but the last, uh, uh, you know, government jobs or non-farm payrolls report was weak. How are you reading these days uh, what's happening in places like the U.S. and the U.K.? in a straight line all the time and generally we had a pretty good run of things last year with markets really beginning to say that hold on the economic recovery really is happening you know in the third quarter the u.s grew by over four percent on a quarterly basis so um it wasn't surprising that maybe things were going to come back it was quite interesting to see your montage uh, of uh, commentary uh, just a few moments ago was really pretty well overwhelmingly bullish. People don't want to come out and say we're bullish. Um, but there are lots of uh, excuses that people are bringing up why the data hasn't been going up in a straight line. As you heard, one of the Fed governors there just uh, described the data as messy. So I think we're in this stage of a bull market where maybe the uh, data isn't coming out quite uh, in the upward straight line that people were thinking. And as a result, the markets have taken flight and using it as an excuse to come off. In markets, at least, consensus sometimes turns out to be wrong. In fact, often that is the case. Uh, at the beginning of the year, everybody seemed to be positive. And now everybody seems to be saying pretty much the same thing. Well, this is a minor correction. This is what happens in markets. Uh, the bull run will continue. Does that make you nervous? Yeah, it's always pretty worrying when uh, everybody believes the same thing because the big surprise is markets come when there's a big shock, uh, when it's against consensus. But I think in this case there's quite a lot of information to indicate that really what we're trying to do is to look at Main Street, to look at the underlying economy and basically say, is this economy uh, continuing to improve? Is it holding its own or is it weakening? And it does look at this, although some of the data has turned out to be not quite as positive as people have thought, there's no real sign on Main Street that things are slowing down. And anecdotal evidence from the economy seems to imply that things are carrying on as normal. So what we're actually seeing is, I think as Larry Fink was saying earlier, is we're seeing a reaction in the market. It's gone up a long way above its fundamentals. It's looking for an excuse to sell back. It's happened rather early, I think, than most observers have thought, but it's happening now, and markets are coming back much more towards where their fundamental valuation should be. The yield on the 10-year Treasury around 265 or so, you know, that's down 40 basis points from uh, its top. Uh, Does that send you any kind of signal, or are they all part of the same story? Well, I think it is part of the same story. You you know, what's happening is that as people think, well, maybe the economy is weakening a little bit, so um, interest rates tend to come down a little and the bond market tends to do a little bit better. Generally, what's happening, I think, in the bond market is we've got a trading range. The market overall is likely to remain on the weak side, on a weak bias. But we're in a trading range at the moment where bond investors are quite happy to buy and sell and buy and sell. But I think looking further out and just looking 
at the uh, relative performance of bond markets against equity markets last year in 2013, bond markets are definitely on a weaker bias. Equity markets are definitely on a stronger bias. And even though you may have wobbles here and there in between, I think those biases are likely to continue. The earnings have been better than expected. They're always better than expected because companies manage what they what they tip to analysts. But they are better. They're better than the normal, better than expected. If I can say that, they're beating seventy percent of the time instead of maybe sixty five or sixty seven percent, depending on which report you look at. On the bottom line, on the top line, they're even doing a bit better, not so much better. How have you read uh, earnings, or are they also so disparate? So many different companies that you can't really. Uh, glean any common theme? Well, I think what we're actually seeing is maybe a little bit more uh, diversification, if you like, in terms of earnings, that some companies um, which are likely to come through with better earnings at this stage are definitely coming through. The, the general consensus seems to be that earnings, which were quite strong last year, um, are slowing down, and certainly company margins have been very high, and if they're very high, there's really only one way they can go. Uh, but the feeling does seem to be, and I've talked to a number of analysts both in the UK and the US um, over the last few days, it really does seem to be that that people are expecting earnings to hold their own, maybe get a little bit better. Um, and there is also a possibility that we might get multiple expansion. That's the uh, ratio between the price uh, and the earnings, which analysts look at for valuation. And that multiple expansion could also lead to markets moving up. So there is no real sign that the markets were in a bubble before. Um, they have sold off because there have been some elements of bad news. They have come back more towards valuation. So you have to think that it looks like a blip in an overall bull market, and this is a buying opportunity. Well, I guess the jobs report this week will be very important, as well as the rest of the earnings, uh, particularly on the jobs report, looking at whether or not December is revised higher, uh, because it did seem abnormally low. People expecting 185,000, you get 74,000. So we'll look at what this month, uh, this latest month has, and then we'll see what the revisions were. Is your um, sense that there would be better than expected or worse than expected because of bad weather? Well, what's happened generally in a lot of the January figures is people have blamed the weather, which is always a good thing to blame for the figures not quite being as, as good as they'd hoped. Um, just looking at all the other figures, I expect most January figures to be soft, on the soft side. Um, but again, not really providing evidence that the economy is slowing down because we can see no real evidence uh, elsewhere for that. But, you know, the job figures really are quite important uh, fundamentally because what's typically happened in this recovery, you know, if you're looking at over the last two to three years, is that people with capital have done well. If you've had cash, you've been able to borrow money at low rates and you've been able to invest it. Entrepreneurs have done well because there's quite a lot of labor out there and labor has really been crushed. Very few people are getting pay rises around the world except for entrepreneurs and owners of capital. And I think what's likely to happen is as these job figures start to come through, that's going to be important for the economy because at the end of the day for the entrepreneurs to make money, it's the little guy in the street who's got to earn more money. Um, and yeah. if he earns more money, there'll be more consumption, and that's going to provide real underlying growth to the economy. Yeah, I was we're all excited. Yet. I was all excited to talk about inequality when Davos started because they were all talking about that. But right about that time, you had all of this turmoil come into the markets, and it's kind of swept that discussion about what really causes the inequality and how do you get 
get out of it. Uh, and that's a discussion that I'd love to have with you a bit later. Don't have too much more time with you because I've got Shuli Ren coming up in just a moment. But wanted to ask you about the UK economy, the FTSE overnight uh, up eight points at 64.57. I know there's been also a little bit of turmoil in European markets, but the UK economy seems to be doing better than what most people expected. Strange economy. If you look at the stock market, it's a very global stock market. So it tends to react to global factors. You know, you've got big pharmaceutical, big oils, those kind of companies dominating the stock market. Um, in addition to that, it typically tends to follow the U.S. by maybe uh, six to nine months in terms of its economic recovery. And Europe tends to follow the U.S. by maybe 12 months. So the U.K. is often a bellwether for what might actually happen in the future. Certainly, um, I've been here for a few days and uh, talking around. It's always great to hear anecdotal evidence from small businessmen and, and people like that as to how they're doing. And people are quite optimistic. So I think that that's actually quite a good sign. And as you can see, the market's done okay. Uh, and the currency's done extremely well. So sterling's done well. So I think overall, the UK is looking pretty good and is a good bellwether for the future, even for the European markets. Was Mark Carney a little early in saying that they may change the forward guidance? Uh, in other words, promising that rates would stay low for a long time. Mark Carney was golden boy. He came in, he had a most marvellous honeymoon period, um, and he was rather uh, ill-advised to come out and say, oh, well, we will look to put interest rates up when unemployment hit a certain level. It had to be 7%. Um, and lo and behold, against everybody's expectation, unemployment actually came in uh, much lower than everybody thought. So then the markets thought, well, he's going to start putting up interest rates. So that caused a bit of a blip. So he had to have a bit of a backtrack there. But since then, he's been rather quiet. Um, both he and Mario Draghi are going to be talking today at the ECB meeting, uh, I understand, where there was some thought that maybe the ECB might actually cut rates uh, in Europe, looking further out. Um, the consensus seems to be that probably not a lot's going to happen, but there is a, going to be a bit of um, expectation today about what the ECB might do. Okay, let me just tell our listeners what the markets are doing uh, at this moment. The Nikkei is up two-thirds of a percent today. And it's a little surprising. You had such a mixed uh, uh, lead-in from Wall Street, but uh, the Nikkei is up 96. In Australia, the ASX 200 is up more than half a percent, up 27 points. And the Kospi in Seoul is up 14 points. So at least investors in Asia seem to be saying that this is a decent buying opportunity. They're coming back in. The dollar is trading at 101.54 yen. That's the dollar stronger. The and weaker, good for Japanese exporters. The euro, 1.353 US dollars, and the pound, 12 Hong Kong dollars and 66 cents. Uh, anything in there that gets your attention? Well, I think the fact that the markets are stabilizing is a good thing. Now, what you tend to find with these market falls is, is they fall, but they don't often rise straight away. So I think that we're going to see this kind of uncertainty um, happen maybe for uh, a little while longer. Um, but again, I think we're probably looking at uh, a buying opportunity. And certainly the developed markets are going to lead um, what they call the emerging markets. Of course, in Asia, there are home markets. But I think developed markets are likely to lead that in the recovery. And emerging markets will really just be followers. Okay, Richard, thank you very much for staying up late for us. We really appreciate it. That's our friend Richard Harris, Chief Executive of Port Shelter Investment Management, joining us on the line from the UK. Money for Nothing, the time is now 22 minutes after 8 o'clock. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. 
very good morning to you. We welcome now Ren Shuli, or Shuli Ren, the Hong Kong-based columnist for Barons, to our studios. Uh, good morning, Ms. Ren. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks, uh, Brian. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's nice. We had, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, you know, the frontier markets would be kind of cool because uh, they seem to have been relatively stable of late. But let's talk a little bit about um, companies like Alibaba. We learn now that Alibaba, the estimated valuation of the company, uh, up over $150 billion dollars. If you look at the average estimate uh, now of analysts, uh, that puts it almost on par with Facebook. We got the earnings from Twitter overnight. They weren't as good as what people expected, although I think if you detached yourself from that, they were actually not bad. The company is growing. Uh, It is expanding. Can they monetize mobile? Well, we still have to wait and see because they're not really reporting a lot of earnings yet, such a young company. But it does bring to mind, what about all of these Chinese internet plays? Many of them have rocketed 10 cent up 100 percent in a year. What's your view? Well, um, the the earnings of uh, Twitter and the aftermarket performance gives you a sense of uh, what the um, the investors want from uh, social media companies or internet companies in general. Like what you said, the revenue growth is better than expected, and uh, Twitter up their uh, uh, first quarter guidance uh, uh, higher than the consensus view. But uh, in the after hours, uh, that the shares of Twitter uh, traded down over 15% because of the uh, lower than expected user base. So that's number one thing. And number two thing is uh, Twitter hasn't managed to monetize very much from mobile. So these are the two things that uh, investors are looking at. Uh, Can you draw a line at all from Twitter? Uh, Because Facebook's earnings were very different. They are monetizing mobile. Can you draw a line at all from Twitter to uh, some of these, you know, four game, Boya Interactive, uh, Tencent, maybe even Alibaba, because they're all doing mobile gaming and, and, you know, um, social web stuff, you know, uh, do you social media, you know, uh, web games? I mean, all of that is packed into what these companies are doing, e-commerce. Do you draw that line? Well, um, mobile games are very popular because they are acquisition targets, right? Um, if you look at Twitter, like social media in general, like uh, the, the best comparison is Cena Corp that, that is traded in the U.S., now in Hong Kong. And uh, uh, Cena... Uh, Cena's shares are down, I think, uh, over 15% this year, mm-hmm. in part because of the, the decreasing the user base. Right? They're losing Weibo users to yeah, exactly. WeChat at Tencent. Exactly. So uh, whereas Tencent is actually up this year, not not very well uh, compared to last year because of uh, uh, the the overall sentiments uh, towards Chinese companies are, uh, are down, right? But uh, uh, you, you, you can see like uh, investors like Tencent better because of the higher user base that they they are still growing WeChat internationally as well and and that uh, Tencent has a much better mobile platform uh, in comparison to Sina in that uh, they they have uh, one of the largest uh, uh, mobile app uh, pla- uh, like uh, stores like uh, 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 Apple's uh, iTunes store Right. Would it make Tencent nervous that Alibaba is moving in on Tencent's turf? And I guess you could flip it around. Tencent is also moving in on e-commerce, which is Alibaba's turf. Of course. Definitely. It make, both companies, you think, do they see I – mean, are they made nervous by this or do they just think, wow, you know, this pie is so big, it's expanding, we're going to get some of ours? 
Uh, they definitely have to be very nervous. I mean, t- part of the, the 100 billion uh, uh, market uh, uh, market valuation of Alibaba is because Alibaba have 70 percent of the e-commerce market share, right? Um, and that that's uh, matched elsewhere in, in the world. Amazon doesn't have that, um, or, or eBay uh, for that matter. Uh, so if uh, Tencent is eating into Alibaba's app, uh, market share. Uh, that's going to be reflected in the market valuation. And the recent acquisition by Tencent of China's South City is a sort of play on logistics, which is also tied to its e-commerce, uh, um, you know, hopes. That, that's correct. Is uh, it a smart move, uh, you know, from what you hear from investors? Do they think it's a smart move? Well, Tencent is so rich <laughs> that they can just uh, buy you know, companies for nothing, right? And uh, and this this is good idea. And uh, uh, keeping in mind, like Jingdong dot com, uh, the the largest uh, 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 B two C e commerce, right? Uh, they just decided to go public in the U S. So um, this this space is heating up. And Tencent, apart from making money from games and advertising, they 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 try to grab their. Uh, grab the dollar in, in the e-commerce market, too. Okay, so the market looks pretty healthy. Let's uh, switch uh, lanes now and talk a little bit about frontier markets. Uh, Vietnam, we noticed a piece that you did recently. Um, how does Vietnam look, and how has it traded year-to-date compared to other markets, um, let's say, in the emerging market space? Well, Vietnam is up, I, I believe, uh, over 10% this year, whereas Hong Kong Hansen Index is down almost 20, 10%. Yeah. And that's on top of uh, last year, Vietnam was up uh, somewhere between 20 to 30%, depending on which index you're looking at. What is attracting investors to Vietnam at the moment? Well, partially it's because uh, investors uh, are feeling pessimistic towards emerging markets. Looking for yields, they always want to look for the next frontier. Right. And uh, uh, Vietnam is attractive in that it has a very young demographic uh, de- demographics, like uh, just like Indonesia, very young, uh, vibrant uh, population. And that uh, it's turning out to be the next uh, mini China in that uh, a lot of companies, Japanese companies in particular, are moving to Vietnam as their next manufacturing base. Are investors buying ETFs mainly that uh, track Vietnam stocks, or are they actually buying uh, directly into some of these companies? Both. Institutional investors are buying directly into those companies, and the retail investors are buying ETFs. There are two ETFs, uh, one traded in U.S., two major ETFs, one traded in U.S., one in London, and uh, both are up, uh, I think, uh, 10, 15, uh, 10, 15% this year. I think there's one here, too, 3087, isn't it, uh, on the um, on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange? I can't say that I've looked at his performance exactly, but you can you can actually uh, uh, get a taste of the Vietnam market through an ETF here. Um, what other markets are similar to Vietnam in that they're in the frontier space and they seem to be performing? Well, believe it or not, Pakistan, mm. <laughs> it was the best performing uh, market last year. And uh, um, they uh, um, and I've been talking to some institutional investors. Uh, there, there has been a lot of interest in Pakistan, but it's not that easy for Hong Kong investors to tap on to. Uh, other markets that are popular, Nigeria, Kenya, you know, like uh, uh, some uh, frontier uh, African countries. 
Right. Okay. Uh, thanks very much, Shuli. Real pleasure to have you on the program, and we'll talk again. Thanks. And that's Shuli Ren, the Hong Kong-based columnist for Barron's. This is Money for Nothing. The time is now 8.30, and that's our program for today. and roll in the markets here in Asia with Nikkei up almost 1%. Seoul as well, gaining about 1%. Australia, the index there, the ASX 200 moving up 29 points to 51.18. Well, let's get a check of the weather today before we get to the news and, of course, back chat coming up after that. Uh, in terms of the weather, mainly cloudy today with some light rain at first, but lots of sunshine too, moderate easterly winds. The outlook, misty in the morning and at night the next couple of days. And then we'll get some rain and some slight cooler conditions. A31, the news with Etienne Lamy Smith. The Vatican has strongly criticized a United Nations report accusing it of pursuing policies which allowed priests to rape and molest tens of thousands of children. A UN committee said the Roman Catholic Church must immediately remove all known and suspected abusers and refer them to the civil authorities. Here's the BBC's Rome correspondent, Alan Johnston. The UN committee could hardly have been more scathing. Its report implied a complete failure on the part of the Vatican to tackle the sex abuse scandal. It alleged that there were cover-ups and strategies that worsened the problem. But the Vatican has complained that the report took a negative attitude towards its work to address the issue. It argues that it now has a substantial programme in place designed to keep children safe when they come into contact with the church. And the Vatican has strongly objected to the report's criticism of its attitude towards matters like abortion,